by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to read verses 13 and 14. Are you there? It says you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. For the many who choose to, I guess you could say, run with the crowd. For my production team, say run with the crowd. (coughs) Some of you know what I'm talking about. I used to run with the crowd. Okay, but verse 14 says, But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is very difficult, and only a few ever find it. When I was young, my mama would say things like, If all your friends jumped off the bridge, you're going to jump off the bridge too? And I would look at mama and say, My friends are jumping off the bridge? Which one? Oh, mama, I got to go. Can you get my swim trunks out? Has anybody seen my snorkel? (laughs) You know, I was ready to go. Say running with the crowd. I was into running with the crowd. It made me feel like I was one of them. It made me feel like I was not alone. You know what I mean? It gives you some sense of significance. And I was looking for significance by adding my face to the crowd. I'd look up at the stars, though. At night, and I would see the galaxies, and I would say, wow, I'm not very significant. And I would feel so tiny and so small. And there was something in me other than just my pride or, or whatever. It was, there was a hole in me that was saying I wanted significance. I wanted a relationship. I wanted to know that I was significant, significant to my creator. But I didn't feel that way. It just seemed like the world was so big. And it was like, can he even care about me? I'm so small. I'm just one in seven billion down here on planet Earth. I mean, even the psalmist said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Even the psalmist felt that way at times. Felt small. And so I was hoping that I could maybe turn to the Word of God or somebody tell me that God cares about me and help me to believe it. And what we really needed to see was an example of God. How is God really? And so God sent His Son Jesus down here. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, The Son radiated God's own glory and expresses the very character of of God. Why? Because Jesus is God. But he came and dwelt among us as flesh. 100% God, 100% flesh. But Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. And so do you want to know how God feels about you? Do you want to know if God thinks you're significant? 
then you just look at the life of Jesus in the pages of Scripture. You read through the Gospels and you see how Jesus interacted with the people. So let's take a look at a day in the life of God on earth. You ready? We'll find out real quick. Should, should we turn to the crowds? Should we turn to running with the crowds to find significance? Or should we turn to our creator? That's what the message is about today. Where are you finding your significance? I always think about the fifth chapter of Mark as an example of a day in the life of Jesus. It started early that morning when Jesus stepped off the boat with his disciples onto the wet sand. He ain't even made it to the dry sand good when this crazy guy comes running down from the graveyard up there and falls at his feet and saying, uh, Jesus, have you come to torment us before the time? It's demons speaking out of this man. This man is troubled, to say the least. The Bible tells us that the the people of the town had tried to put this man in jail. They had put him in shackles, but the de demonic forces in his life were so strong he could break the shackles. They were completely scared of him. They would have killed him if they could, but they didn't know how. This man would sit and live in the graveyard, run around completely naked like a, a crazy guy, cutting himself and howling at the moon. So good morning, Jesus. <laughs> He steps off the boat, and this guy comes running down there. So how does Jesus feel about this man? The Bible calls him a demoniac. <laughs> That's a hard word to say. I just take to calling him the demon in the Pontiac. It's just easier to say. But how does Jesus respond to the demon in the Pontiac? He's ready to cast them demons out and give this man a new shot. But the demons are like, ho, ho, now, Jesus. <laughs> Could you, do us a Could you do us a favor? Could you just not cast us into the abyss? Could you throw us in those pigs over there? That would, we'd prefer the pigs. So even, you see, demons are afraid of Jesus and the authority in the name of Jesus, just in case you didn't know. Jesus has authority. He's given you authority, so in case you have any demons that you're, you're dealing with. And Jesus said, yeah, you can go into the pigs. So there were so many demons in this man, it says there's a legion of demons, that they went into 2,000 pigs up on the hilltop. And these pigs, filled with the demonic spirit, run off the cliff into the lake and drowned, all of them. And all the, the pig herders, uh-oh, what are we going to tell people? We lost all the pigs, so they run to town. But we're looking at crowds today. We're looking at this story with the idea of how did the crowds respond. And if we look at the story picking up in Mark 5, verses 15 through 17, it said a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. And he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Why were they afraid? And then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus, go away and leave us alone. Dude, you're going to have to go. Why? I think, first of all, they were scared of supernatural things. They had never seen anybody be able to cast a demon out. And so they didn't want any part of it. 
That's a big fear in people today. There's a big fear in some churches. That we don't want any of that supernatural stuff. But then, I believe that the, pe the, the people, the crowds, cared more about the pigs than they did the Pontiac. This man sitting there in his right mind, they don't care. They, they have no concern about this man being in his right mind. They're not rejoicing. They're worrying about their pigs. Jesus, you got to go. So that's our first interaction with the crowd on the fifth chapter of Mark today. So Jesus says, okay. He gets back in the boat. They go back across the lake to where he came from. He hadn't walked on the dry sand good when the crowds met him. And they're following the, the ruler of the local synagogue named Jairus. And Jairus has got tears in his eyes. And he says, Jesus, my daughter, she's on her deathbed. Can you come and heal her? Jesus said, take me to her. Now, the crowds are crushing Jesus, packed in. They're so tight. I mean, there's thousands of people. They're the, just there to see the show. You know, they just want to see a miracle, mostly. They're just basically in the way. Jesus is having to make his way through the crowd. When all of a sudden, Jesus stops. And he says, who touched me? Now, Peter, walking alongside of Jesus, says, Lord, what do you mean, who touched you? You are in a huge crowd. Everybody is touching you. But Jesus says, no, no, I felt a touch. I felt a touch from somebody that's just not part of the crowd. But somebody who made their way here to touch me. And then there was a woman. She spoke up. She said, it was me. The Bible explains that she was a sickly woman. She had health issues. She had been to the doctor. She had an issue of blood. She had spent all she had with all the local doctors. Nobody could do anything for her. And though she wasn't supposed to, be in public with this condition, she thought to herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, the fringe of his robe, I will be made whole. And she told Jesus that. He says, woman, your faith has made you whole. Now, what role did the crowd play in this? They probably almost trampled the poor woman, <laughs> made it difficult for her to get there because they were just there for a show. If they would have known that she had an issue of blood, they probably would have stoned her because that was what they thought would be right. They could, they could, yeah, we did right. We stoned that woman because she wasn't supposed to be in public. The crowd would have done something rash, right? But yet Jesus differentiated from the touch of the crowd and the touch of that woman. And I'm here to tell you, when you come to Jesus in faith, when your heart is involved in it, Jesus knows it. You can sit in church all day, every day if you want to. You can be scrolling through your phone, waiting for the church service to be over. 
you might not get nothing. But if you come to church, if you come to Jesus in your prayer closet, you come to Jesus at all, and there's an urgency in your heart, there's a, there's a passion to really be with Christ, he's going to differentiate your touch and the crowd. Jesus is talking to the woman. Jairus is over there. Come on, Jesus. Can we get to my daughter? And about that time, some people from Jairus' home show up, and they're like, sorry, Jairus. And Jairus is, can you imagine the way he felt? He said, they said, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the master any further. Jesus says, Jairus, Jairus, keep your focus, buddy. Keep your focus. Don't lose it. Only believe. And so they continue walking. Jairus is back there trying to stifle a sniffle <laughs> like some of us in the Walmart lately. Don't dare sneeze these days. You know, he's trying to stifle a sniffle or something. It says in Mark 5, 37, then Jesus stopped the crowd. All right, there's some real work to be done. Let's get rid of these naysayers. There's some kingdom business that needs to, to go on. He stopped the crowd and let, wouldn't let anyone go further except Peter, James, and John. If you want to go further with Jesus, you're going to need some faith in your life. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Are you satisfied with where your relationship is with Jesus, with where your faith walk is? Are you a, a man and a woman full of power for this hour? Or do you feel like, man, I, I don't have enough power in my life to su suppress a sniffle? You have to have, you have to build up some faith if you want to walk into those deeper places with Christ. In Mark 5, 40, it said the crowd laughed at him. It's talking about the professional mourners that had shown up at the death. Back then, I don't know why they did it, but they would bring in professional people who would just mourn and wail and cry and make a big lament over anybody who passed away. It was just the thing that they did. And they were all doing their business going through the motions like most people in a crowd, going through the motions, and Jesus says, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. You're fixing to find that out. And they were laughing at him. The crowd laughs at Jesus. If you're hanging around big crowds, you're going to have people laughing at your faith, laughing at Jesus. I forgot to tell you what a crowd, that, let me back up here. The definition of a crowd surprised me. The definition of a crowd is a large number of people gathered together in a disorganized and an unruly way. Did you know that? I thought it just meant a gathering of people. But it actually means that they're unorganized and unruly. There's something to throw in there. Where was I at before I interrupted myself? These pro-weepers are laughing at Jesus. But it says he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father, mother, and the three disciples into the room where she was lying. 
crowds can be faith sappers. You got these people laughing. You got these people not serious about the situation. Here you're trying to focus on the Lord. They can be faith sappers, and Jesus said, get them out of here. We're just taking the ones that will, will surround me with faith, that we can, we can come together and believe. It says where two or three are gathered together. There he is in the midst of them. They're gathered for a common purpose. If any two on earth agree is touching anything, there's, there's power when people come together in faith. And so these crowds are not really helping any of these situations in Mark chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 17 says, Therefore come out from among the unbelievers. And in today's message, you might say it like this, therefore come out from among the crowds. That's what I'm trying to get across to you today. Don't run with the crowd. Come out from among the unbelievers and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. Go deeper than an unruly crowd. But pastor, you're always saying that we're supposed to get together. We're supposed to come together. We're supposed to, we want numbers. We want people. And you're saying now that we don't want a crowd? That's exactly what I'm saying. I don't want a crowd. I want a congregation. Do you understand there's a difference? The world gathers crowds, unruly, disruptive people together, but the church gathers a holy people. People that have individual, personal relationships with Jesus Christ, and they're not just there to, to, to find their significance in each other or make themselves feel better about not having a relationship with Jesus. They're there as a congregation. Oh, yeah, we'll accept the crowd, but we're ever going to be pulling you towards being part of the congregation and pulling you farther into the core. And there's always a deeper place to go with the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your faith. Psalms 133.1 says, How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. When you're, see, it, it's, it's a pleasant thing when the church gets together. We love that because we all have a common song that we're singing. Do you know a harmony is when different people sing the same song, but they sing their part? The world's all, all singing in unison. They're all saying the same thing. It's just a noise. It's a racket. But harmony is a beautiful thing. You've got one person singing the low part, one singing the middle part, the high part, and then you got somebody up here. <laughs> That's not me. All right. And when you put everybody being the best version of themselves together, everybody trying to please Jesus, you put brothers and sisters together, you got harmony. You put the world together, you got discord. There's a big difference. Faith sets us apart from the crowd. Zacchaeus, Jesus sees you up in that tree. Faith sets you apart, Zacchaeus. 
Blind man on the side of the road, Jesus hears you crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Even though everybody, the crowd's telling him to shut up. Jesus says, no, let him talk, let him talk. He's speaking my language. He's speaking the language of faith. And you can be in the middle of a crowd, but you can reach out and touch Jesus' robe, and he will know the difference. He will feel your touch. You said, well, what about that demon in the Pontiac? How could he? He didn't have no faith. He was controlled by demons. Well, Mark 5, 6 says, when Jesus was some, still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed low before him. Okay, so maybe the demons controlled his ability to speak. Maybe they controlled most aspects of his life. Maybe, he, maybe you felt like that. Man, I just can't get to Jesus. My life is in shambles. I feel like there's demons in my life controlling everything. I can't think straight. I have looked at this darkness so long. It has inhabited me. It has got control of me. But this man was somehow, with what faith he had, able to step towards Jesus. And if you will run towards Jesus right now, just take that step. Jesus will come for you. Do you remember in Mark chapter 4, just one chapter back, that Jesus was on the stormy seas? He was asleep in the back of the boat. And the disciples were freaking out, saying, Don't you care that we perish? And Jesus stood up on the front of the boat and said, Peace, be still. Do you know where he was going in that boat? to the region of the Gerasenes where that demoniac was. He was coming for that man. He knew that man would run to him. He knew that man must have been crying out in, in this crazy life that he had created for himself. And Jesus came for that one man. He came all the way across the lake. And they, the crowds kicked him out, but he went all the way back. And he made the trip for a man who would just take a step. For his Lord. Just take a step. You say, I don't know about this church thing. I don't know. I don't believe in this. I, it don't matter what the demons are telling you. Take a step to Jesus. Go straight to the source. Cry out. And God will begin to set you free like he did the demons, there was no more demons in that Pontiac. That Pontiac was sitting there a classic by the time Jesus got through with him. Whew. What about Jairus? What faith did he show? Well, he was a ruler of the synagogue. He was like a pastor for the Jews, you know. Surely he already had faith. But Jesus said, Come on with me, Jairus. I'm going to take you deeper in your faith. Maybe you're saying, I got all this faith. But Jesus is saying, come on, we're going to go deeper, Jairus, me and you. We're going to raise the dead. We're not just going to believe for healing. We're going to raise the dead. We're going to take it to a new level. And there's new levels in Christ. The woman with the issue of blood, man, she just would not be denied. And that touches Jesus. I mean, literally. Who touched me? Because I felt virtue leave my body. Jesus wasn't even cognizant. It doesn't say that he was paying attention, but he just felt it. And you reach and touch Jesus, it's just going to be there. Heroes of the faith 
are always parting the crowds to get to Jesus. They're always doing it. Abraham. Man, he had it, he had it set up. He was 80 years old. He was rich. He had all his family around him. And God said, get up and leave, and I'm going to take you to a place that I'll show you. Didn't even tell him where. But Abraham, by faith, obeyed God because he knew you'd never see God's best running with the crowd, staying in your comfortable, safe zone. That's not where you see God's best. That's why he became the father of many nations. Moses went up that mountain. If he had to go alone, he went up that mountain to be with God while the people, the crowd, partied themselves out of their promises down at the foot of the mountain. They parted themselves right out of everything that God wanted for them. They never entered the promised land. Maybe you're doing that. You're living a life of party, 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 party. You need to climb a mountain and be with God and begin to see what a Holy Ghost party looks like, my friend. David slew the giant when all the, the crowd was hiding behind the rocks and scared. Peter was called out of the boat out of the crowd in the boat to walk on the supernatural. And that's where God is calling you. He's calling you to experience more. Then I think about that little girl with the alabaster box that represented everything that she was. And how she went into a, a Pharisee's house where she knew she wasn't welcome. She snuck in. She crawled in, and she didn't care what anybody in the house thought. She broke open that alabaster box, and she kissed and weeped over Jesus' feet. And some of the, even the disciples were like, what a waste of perfume. What a waste of the money she could have got. We could have sold that and gave it to the poor. And Jesus says, guys, you don't even understand. You don't understand the most important thing is to be with me. He said, I tell you, what she has done will be remembered forever and ever. And we're still telling the story about it today. Jesus was a, a common name back in those days. It's still kind of common today. Most people say Jesus or something today, but it's still used today. And Back then, there was a lot of people called Jesus. There was this one dude named Jesus Barabbas. Jesus Barabbas had spent his life running with the crowd, playing the pawn, doing what the crowd wanted him to do. You know, behind every crowd, you got a puppeteer pulling the strings. And all these crowds you see today, all these things going on in the world there's somebody pulling the strings and this guy had been his strings had been pulled to the point that he's waiting to go to his own cross he's in jail he had picked a crowd that he wanted to follow whether it was cnn or fox news or whether it was ford or chevy you know whatever whatever his cause was he had picked his crowd, and he had given his heart to it. And I'm not saying don't stand for what you believe. Wait a minute now. I'm not saying there's not a cause. But I'm saying that whatever you do must be filtered through your, your understanding of what's first and your relationship with love and your obligation to love. Everything that you do 
Even if you feel like you have a righteous cause, you got to keep Jesus in the center of that, or you just become part of the crowd noise. But he didn't follow after love. He chose rather to feed on the rhetoric of the masses, the spin room. He was swept away by his basic instincts and inclinations. In other words, he was trusting his heart. And the Bible says the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? You can't trust your heart. You need to trust the word of God. And his name is Jesus. You can't trust your heart. And he became more angry. He was getting stirred up about what he believed. The rebellion was rising. He became so angry and vile and bitter. And he was prodded by those puppeteers to do this, to do that, until he finally acted. And then when he did, the crowd turned on him and called him a murderer. They pushed him to do it. But the moment he did it, they turned around and disavowed him. And isn't that what the crowd does? And when I'm talking about the crowd, I'm talking about the crowd in the world. Isn't that what the world does? They tell you, yeah, go on and drink. They put all these advertisements, makes it look so good. But the moment you become an alcoholic, oh, you've crossed the line. They pushed you to the line. They say, oh, pornography's not bad. Everybody looks at it. It's good for your marriage. Then when you cross the line, you're a pervert. You need to go to jail forever. They pushed you to it. Don't listen to the crowd. Now Jesus Barabbas is waiting on his cross. It's over for Jesus Barabbas. He's in the jail cell, hopeless, beat down, disillusioned at how life has turned out because that's what the crowd would do for you. The jailer comes and says, Pilate wants to see you. Come on. Jesus Barabbas is paraded out in front of a great crowd. And he looks across and there's this other fellow. And he's wearing a bloody robe and crown of thorns pressed down on his head. And his face is beaten beyond recognition and his back has been laid open. He's sitting there in a pile of blood, standing there, barely able to stand. And Pilate is saying, okay, now I understand it's our tradition each year that we release a prisoner to you. You see, Pilate understood that the crowd was just jealous of Jesus, the Christ. So he thought, I will bring out Jesus, the murderer, and surely they will release, release Jesus to Christ. Because he didn't see any harm in anything Jesus had done. And he wanted to release him. But the puppeteers in the crowd say we want Barabbas. We want Barabbas. Tell everybody to shout Barabbas. So he says, which shall I release unto you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus the Christ? Barabbas, Barabbas, the crowd began to shout for the murderer to be released. Well, what should I do with 
This Jesus, the Christ. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. The same crowd that had laid the palm branches down as Jesus had rode into town that week. The same crowd that he had fed with bread and fish. The miracles that he had done amongst them are yelling crucify him now. The fickle crowd. Pilate says, why? What has he done? They said, let his blood be on our heads. And my friend, if you're going to run with the crowd, you're going to have the blood of Jesus on your head. James 4.4 4 says, you adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Jesus says you can't serve two masters. Choose this day, my friend, whom you're going to serve. Don't be running with the crowd. You can take the crowded road or you can take the road less traveled, but you can't take both. And I, my friend, have decided to live for a crowd of one. And everything else will work itself out from there. I have decided... To be in a congregation instead of a crowd. And when I look to the stars now, I don't feel insignificant anymore. Oh, quite the contrary. I look at the galaxies and the stars, and I'm still amazed and still in wonder. But I think how significant I must be that the creator of all this has made it personal with me. That is who Jesus is. He wants to, to be personal with you. He doesn't want you to be a face in the crowd. He's called you to be his masterpiece. If you're going to some church and they're trying to crowd you all into a mold to be the same, and it's all about sameness, then they don't understand that you're created to be a masterpiece. You're, you're created to sing your part in the harmony. We're not all called to do the same thing. God wants to be in relationship with you as the unique creature that he created you to be. He doesn't want us to spend all of our time here on the earth trying to be somebody else, trying to fit in. I'm through fitting in. I want to stand out for Christ. It's who I was created to be. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, let him come in. Let him flood your understanding with light and purpose. Let him forgive you of your sins. Let him take that weight off of your shoulder. That's why he went to the cross. You see, Barabbas went free. A murderer went free because Jesus... He didn't open his mouth and ask for justice. He was like a, a sheep before his shearers is dumb. He kept his mouth quiet because he came to save us murderers. He quietly went to the cross and took our shame and dealt with our sin. And now he says, 
What is stopping you from coming to me now? There's nothing except you. Not those demons, not those legions. I don't care how far you're gone. You can take a step. And the step you need to take right now is say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I'm through with the crowd. I'm yours. Pray with me right now. Say, God, I repent of all my sin. I ask you to forgive me for what I've made my life. I turn over what is left to you. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your lordship. I will follow you. And I will live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And lead me in a path of right living. That I may bring glory to your name. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, there's nothing like being in the presence of the Lord. There's no place I would rather be. There's nothing like being right with God. There's no high that the world has to offer, no accolades, no accomplishments. None of that mean anything without that right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to accomplish what God has in store for your life, then you need to ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He didn't leave us alone. When Jesus went back to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, to be our help, our God, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, now dwells in your mortal body. If you will welcome him in and be filled with the Holy Spirit, say, God, have your way in me. It's not, a, it's not a spooky thing. Don't be afraid of the supernatural. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If you're going to a dry and dusty church that doesn't welcome the Holy Spirit, Lord, help us all. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. He changes everything. Welcome him. Surrender, just like, you, just like those who surrendered to Christ and to his lordship. Maybe you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, but maybe it's been some time since you've even talked to the Holy Spirit or acknowledged him in your life. It's time to be refilled. Whether you've never been filled or you need to be refilled, it's, you receive it by faith just like you receive your salvation. You just say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Oh, inhabit me, saturate me with your love, your peace, your power. Let the glory of God reside in my life that people may not see me, but see Christ in me. Help me live for you. Just say, in Jesus' name, I receive it. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.